Uh, we're now at the time where we hear, we hear God speak his word. Uh, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, 13th chapter. And uh, this morning, just the third verse. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. This is the word of the Lord. 25 years ago, almost to the day, a hearty band of people gathered in a small church building on Condon Road, a mile and a quarter from where we are sitting today. And after a short service of thanksgiving, left that sanctuary for the last time and walked here. I asked Warren McGee to pray the final prayer from that building before we left here. And you know, he was so choked up, he couldn't do it. And I had to go ahead and, and make that prayer. And in that moment, I realized it wasn't just a building, but the memories that Warren had and so many of his generation had of what happened in that building is what made all the difference. But once we arrived here, we celebrated the beginning of a new thing, but also the continuation of a work God had started in this community over 150 years ago. And while I have never preached on 1 Corinthians 13 before, I do believe that it is right for our text today to be, so now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. We do live in a time, don't we, when it feels as though tolerance and getting along, working through our differences rather than making them the excuse for lining up in opposite camps ready for battle is considered normal. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sign of weakness if we try to get along with other people. But that, I want to suggest to you this way, that is where love, love, not as defined so inadequately by the world around us, but love defined in the way that Scripture defines it, considering others better than ourselves, spending and being spent for the sake of others, doing good to people whether they can ever pay us back or not, living generously and sacrificially whether we feel like it or not. This kind of love can change the world. So on this 25th anniversary, let us do two things. Look back with faith and look forward with hope as we consider Scripture's teaching on faith, hope, and love. As I said, we're celebrating 25 years in this particular building. And just as a footnote, I want to give credit where credit is due. It was Joni, my wife Joni, who reminded me, you know, Trevor, this October it's going to be 25 years since we moved into the building. And I said, yeah, I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> and she said, well, why don't you do something special? And I said, yeah, I was thinking about that. I was. 25 years ago, we came into this building. But the faith of this congregation reaches back over 175 years. Men and women brought their families to this frontier in order to secure a better life for themselves and their children. This was a difficult place with bitter winters, diseases without cures, 
Weather as unpredictable then as now and crops that could fail, but no grocery store or social safety net to rescue them if that happened. And yet, one of the first things they did was to gather in homes and worship, followed less than 10 years later by a simple church they built with their own hands in the year 1844. I wonder what those men and women would think if they came to this community and to this church today. Would they not be amazed? And would they not experience a sense of pride that what they started survived and indeed has prospered all these many years later? Well, friends, that's our heritage of faith. Belief on the one hand in a gospel that has the power to save and faithfulness to that gospel by recounting the story to generation after generation, year after year, as we have done. Were they perfect? No more than we are. From our vantage point, we probably wish that they had had a greater appreciation for the indigenous peoples of this area, but they didn't. No one did in those years. But before becoming too critical, perhaps we can ask, where are we not seeing what generations who follow will see all too clearly about our lives? And so we look back with gratitude to the faith of those who did their best to listen to God the Holy Spirit as we ourselves will seek to do the very same thing now. Listen to the still small voice of God the Holy Spirit and where we can be that more faithful people as they were 175 years ago. So that's faith. But Paul also speaks of a sure hope. Now when the Bible uses the word hope as it does here, it does not mean something we wish for, something that it would be great if it happened. Rather, it uses this word to speak of both a present reality and a future event, both of which are so sure of coming about that we can speak of them as assured confidence. The present reality of our hope is the peace with God that is ours because of Christ's finished work on the cross. We're no longer estranged from our Heavenly Father. We are instead adopted children, sons and daughters, heirs of His eternal kingdom. But the hope we speak of when we speak about the gospel is the hope of God's eternal kingdom. A kingdom that has already begun, the end of which is a sure thing, the new heaven and earth, started when Jesus rose from the grave, having conquered sin and death, that will reach completion at his return when all final vestiges of sin and this world's brokenness will be done away with. Doesn't it just make you yearn for that day to come soon? Hope then, is not so much something we hold on to for dear life. Rather, it is what takes hold of us in life's direst moments. It is a hope rooted in our faith that's able to see God's hand at work, God's mercy at work, and God's love as a sure thing. But finally, Paul reaches a crescendo when he says, yes, but the greatest of these is love. Now, 1 Corinthians 13, so often read at weddings, lists some 15 traits of love. 
And th those traits are almost always translated as adjectives. But in fact, they're all verbs. So love is being patient. Love is being kind and so on. But better than I can say it, what love looks like in the context of this congregation. I want to share with you the conversation I had uh, last Sunday with uh, Jill Wiles-Wolf, Robin Burns, and Nathan Wiles. I encourage you to watch. Well, we have with us, as you can see, uh, three young people that many of you will recognize. We have uh, Jill Wiles-Wolf, who lives in Glen Ellen with her husband and daughter Olympia. Uh, we have Robin Burnt, uh, who lives very close by in uh, Rockford with her husband. She's a graphic designer now, and she has a menagerie of animals that uh, she and her husband are taking good care of these days, including two dogs and a duck. And, a duck. and then uh, Nathan uh, Wiles, who lives outside of Madison uh, with his wife and two daughters, Evelyn and Virginia. Uh, which is a, a lead-in. Uh, Nathan and his wife named their daughter after their grandmother uh, that many of you will remember, Virginia Wiles. And I've asked uh, these three to uh, just reminisce a little bit, remember a little bit uh, about the, their family, uh, the Hoisington Wiles clan, uh, very important uh, people in the history of Kishwaukee. And uh, delighted to see how God has continued to bless uh, their uh, grandchildren and, uh, and children. Uh, it was my uh, delight to, to be the pastor of their parents. Um, and, uh, we remember uh, so fondly both of them. Uh, they have both gone to be with the Lord uh, at this point, along with their grandparents and uh, Jim and Lois Hoisington, their great aunt and uncle. So I'm going to turn it over to you to uh, just remember some of those things about Kishwaukee and your family's involvement here with Kishwaukee that have left a, an, an, an imprint upon you in your lives at this point. Nate, you're up. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I, I was struggling to come up with any particular stories, but I think that something I just kept coming back to, and I've, I've thought about it a lot over the years, is just the, the church family as a whole. Um, and, you know, and how much of a family the church was to, to our family in particular. Um, just so much so that it's, I think, set pretty unrealistic expectations for me as my family has moved and, look, and looked for other churches over the years. Just when you grow up in a body of believers that goes back generations, that's where, you know, your, your parents went to church and your grandparents where your friend's parents went to church and they know your parents and everybody knows each other and when you walk in um, you feel like you have half a dozen set of grandparents and, and parents as well so just that community um, like I said set unrealistic, unrealistic expectations for just how interwoven a, a body can be uh, in a church family and I'd, I'd say just how much um, the church family really felt like family to us, you know, so much of the time, you know, our, as our family went through, you know, various things, just that the church family was alongside us so much of the time and just how tremendously appreciative we are of that. Um, so that's my, my big picture view of the church family. That's great. Thank you. Thank you, Nathan. Yeah, I could agree with that, Nate. I, same thing. I was thinking about it um, just in terms that it never felt like 
we were ever alone in any way, even though I know a lot of times we, we joke that we were feral children growing up, <laughs> but um, I know that we weren't. We always had um, someone that we could call on and count on to be um, either by our side or by our parents' side uh, through any hard time or even just the happy times. It was fun to have groups of people from the church come over and just celebrate, get to um, spread the joy of what we might be having or, you know, carry the burden of what we might be going through. Um, it was always nice too for us growing up, we were so close to the actual physical church that there were times that we would either walk to church or walk home and have other people join us, just physically Forget. walk to the house. <laughs> be forgotten and walk home. Yes. Yeah. That's what I was going to say too. <laughs> Get bored and be like, I'm setting out, I'll see you later. <laughs> And sometimes just find random church people at the house after church because it was so close. People would just stop by. I um, still remember Ryan Glendening in the trees because <laughs> he would come over and just climb the trees and be like, oh, there's Ryan. <laughs> and then his parents would come over and we'd, you know, have lunch together or something. It was, it was always that the door was open and it was a really lovely thing. So... So Ryan Glendening climbed a tree but didn't fall out. <laughs> no, it's amazing. Wow. Not at our house. <laughs> this is quite remarkable. Yeah, yes. <laughs> well, they, they took my answer, so I would just say ditto. Um, but I was thinking, yeah, I mean, the thing I kept thinking was, um, you know, everybody's kids were everybody's kids. And I felt like it wasn't just that people were looking out for us. I mean, I think, yeah, like, all the, the sort of parenting, sub-parenting uh, our parents did um, various times. And yeah, I mean, feral children were kind of the theme of the 80s. And I think we did have some of that too. It was great. And as a parent now, thinking about it, like, like Nate said, it's like the standard feels really high for any other kind of community that you might look out for even though we were spread out, you know, like that was a rural community. It wasn't like we lived in a neighborhood we could walk easily to other people's houses. But yeah, um, I thought about that a lot too. And I, I mean, I think like, you know, we talk about the heritage. I want this kind of maybe funny thing that I, I feel like I learned from grandma that was reinforced by dad that has sort of maybe impressed, maybe annoyed many a pastor and, um, you know, Bible, you know, theology, theology graduate was that you don't put stuff on top of the Bible right like you set the bible down you don't put stuff on top of the bible this is like i still cannot i cannot i will walk around people's houses or churches or like fellowship halls and like take stuff off of bibles <laughs> like i've done that so you know that's from grandma yeah. and i mean it's not like it's a magical book but it's just like these little things of like uh you know respect and and uh Doing your best. One yeah. one thing about grandma is she took very, everything very seriously. Not everything, but, <laughs> Most but her faith and and those those types of things. And that definitely was, you know, dad too. Uh, you know, I had to take my hat off. If it was winter and I was wearing a hat in the church, it had to be had, had to be off as soon as I walked into the building. But then, you know, as a rule as a parent, I had to have the hat on the instant I walked back outside. You know, <laughs> no, no delay um, because it was cold outside. Uh, but you could not wear your hat in church. I, that one always sticks with me. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, those are wonderful uh, memories on the one hand and, and truths on the other. You know, Nathan, that, that uh, 
treehouse that you guys built uh, behind your house, it's now owned by the Nybergs, yeah. and they still use it as a, a fun place to go and to <laughs> hang out. Um, mm. I don't think they're smoking cigars together in it yet. <laughs> I don't think that ever happened there. No, never. <laughs> no. We'll, we'll talk Not on Grandpa's property. The cigar smoking uh, at some point in the future. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for, for uh, joining me on this. And uh, it's, it's so great to remember uh, the people that were important in our lives, but also to see how that heritage is continuing uh, in each one of your families and lives together, too. So thank you so much. It's been great to be with you. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Happy thank you. anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> so faith, hope, and love. These three remain, but the greatest is love. Love which says you are never alone and then does everything necessary to make sure that no one from the youngest to the oldest among us ever feels alone. Friends, Kishwaukee, 175 years and still going, will be looked at one day by the Savior and he will look down and he, sa he will say, you loved one another well. Well done, good and faithful servants. And that's the good news of the gospel. Amen. <laughs>